be a good human. That's the way we all should be. I would say that if people were honest with themselves, they would know that maybe in times prior, they weren't. They weren't that person. They did lie. They did cheat. They were not kind to their friend. They were jealous of that person over there. All of these things. I think with time and with maturity and with definition in oneself, we can become better. That's what I enjoy doing and being on the journey of, which is just this journey of being that person that I want to be when I'm 65. Welcome to the Seven Hats Podcast. My name is Yuval Selig, and I've been on the entrepreneurial roller coaster for over 20 years. I've experienced it all throughout my journey, the grind, burnout, failure, and ultimately, success. The turning point for me was realizing that building a successful company is meaningless if you neglect the other significant areas of your life. So today, I'm inviting you to join me on an adventure through those seven areas, what I call the seven hats. Every week, my guests and I will drop valuable insights and pearls of wisdom, helping, motivating, and inspiring you to get your seven hats in order and deliver real impact with meaning. So let's get going. Welcome, Seven Hatters. Get ready to embark on an extraordinary journey of enlightenment as we delve into a captivating conversation with Mark Samuel, an entrepreneur, visionary, and advocate of holistic well-being. Brace yourselves as we unravel the profound layers of his dynamic life, exploring the essence of his existence and unveiling the transformative powers of his journey through hats one, two, and four, the soul, the athlete, and the entrepreneur. Mark's undefeatable spirit has propelled him to the forefront of the CPG landscape, where he has mastered the art of navigating challenges, scaling ventures, and carving out a meaningful niche. With a wealth of experience under his belt, Mark stands out as a beacon of inspiration, embodying the notion that success is not solely measured by financial achievements, but by the impact that we make on ourselves and those around us. At the core of Mark's narrative lies a profound appreciation for the pursuit of optimal health and well-being. He passionately advocates for a holistic approach, emphasizing the crucial role that physical fitness, mental resilience, and self-care play in our lives. Through personal stories and insightful revelations, Mark unveils the transformative power of making conscious choices and prioritizing our well-being, urging us to unlock our potential and embrace a life of vitality and purpose. So, if you are ready to unlock the door to personal growth, embrace a life of vitality and witness the profound impact of conscious choices, let's welcome Mark to the Seven Hats. Mark? Welcome to the Seven Hats. Thanks for having me. Of course. You know, it's crazy to think that we first connected on LinkedIn back in April of 2020, right in the thick of the COVID madness. You were busy building a CPG brand and a community. And just a few months later, I had the pleasure of being a guest on your show. So glad that you're on the Seven Hats now. One of the best things about being part of a community of like-minded individuals in the CPG space is that we're all in it together. We're supporting each other. We're getting to share our passions and products with our friends. And speaking about products, you're the mastermind behind I Want Organic Snacks. And let me tell you, I think you know this, but my wife and I were hooked from the first bite. 
And now every time we stroll down the aisles at Whole Foods and spot your product, I just can't help but think of you and your journey. And fun fact, our paths actually crossed way back in 2009 unknowingly. You co-founded Six Pack Fitness, and one of your co-founders happens to be a childhood friend of my wife, which is really a small world. So there's a lot to unpack and learn from your story. Before we dive into that, the Seven Hatters are eager to learn more about the early days. We're curious about what shaped you into the person you are today. So let's start from the beginning. Mark, where were you born and how was your childhood like? So born in the Bay Area, Marin County, California. I'm here right now. I'm in the neighborhood that I sort of grew up in. I guess what you would consider a, a normal upbringing, you know, in a sports really early. Um, I have two older sisters and I just remember great times as a kid. Um, at the stuff that I can remember, I, I'll, I'll, I'll sort of circle back to it, but there are certain things that I remember and they're all joyful. Mm. My dad, unfortunately, got a brain tumor mm. um, when I was about nine, maybe just getting about to be 10. And he got very sick post the surgery, uh, basically by having a, a stroke post-surgery and was very, very sick for a few years and then passed away. Mm. Um, so really my childhood sort of stopped, I would say, you know, when I was 10. And that's why now circling back to the comment, I kind of don't remember a lot of things pre that time other than those few joyful things that I had noted before. And so that's it. And so uh, from there was my mom, myself, um, two older sisters, and then a lot of my mom and myself. And she, you know, raised basically kind of a hell raiser. I, I really, <laughs> I was a hell raiser. I was, I made some really bad decisions and went down some bad paths as far as just choices and, and, and just my overall being, you know, through middle school and high school. So there, that's framed something for you. And tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I, I luckily, by God's grace, I was still into sports. So that kept me out of a majority of trouble. But I definitely was a class clown, as most would describe, and got into a lot of trouble at school just needed attention as, as again, now as we're adults, right? It's kind of that theme, you know, it's, it runs inside you. It's in your bones. I'm an attention seeker, good or bad. That's just the description, right? And so a lot of trouble in middle school, a lot of trouble in high school, and then, you know, made some, just some, some decisions that were not good and landed myself into some serious trouble, you know, mm -hmm. landed myself in juvenile hall a couple times, things like that. Mm -hmm. And my mom was always there, always defending. She's the consummate Jewish mother, best friend, supporter, can't do no wrong person in my life all through that. So that's the description of, of through, through high school, basically. So when you were in high school, what was the dream? What did you want to do? What did I want to do? I don't know what I wanted to do. I did know that I was really good at trading things. I understood the concept very early of buy something and sell it for more. Mm -hmm. 
I was an individual when it came to things like that. I did not need anybody around me to come up with the ideas. I did not need somebody to help me sell those ideas. And so I most likely subconsciously knew that I would do something in sales. But I don't think I I sort of put all the pieces together until I was, you know, in my early 20s. Oh, did you go to college? I did. Okay. How did your career transpire from those high school year, college years? What were some impactful moments there that started your career? And give us a little more insight on that. I stuck around here when when lived in the city. I was on my sister's couch in, in the city in San Francisco. I um, went to city college. I did. I, that's why I was saying going back to sports. And then what what really changed my life was finding the weight room. Was I still? I played it a one year soccer at city college. Was doing odd end jobs, but what I what I was doing really to make the majority of my money was I was buying and selling cars, hmm. and I had been doing that since high school. I had been doing that since I was even before I had a license. And uh, again, I just understood the trade, a, a trade, right? Buy for 100, sell for 200. And so I would say that I went away for a year, lived down in San Luis Obispo with a couple buddies. I was still finding my ways, you know, fighting, you know, I would look for like, just, I'm just, there, that, that's, there's this other piece to it, right? Just there's, there was things in me that needed to get out. You know, I was angry. I was, I was probably sad, angry, trying to find myself. Um, so I would, I would do these things that were, that I think put my mind at ease for a moment. Right. And exuded just energy. Now the, the other energy came through the, the weight room. So at 19, I found the weight room by God's grace. And I have not stopped since, right? This is now 24 years or whatever, maybe 25 years, right? I have been in a weight room for six plus days a week. And so, or and or training of some sort, right? So, so I think it was then. And so when I was became 20, I came back to San Francisco, finished at, at, at state. And that was really just to get my degree. I think it was one of these things like paying an an homage to my mom for all the shit that I had done. You right? Because I did not. I knew I wasn't going to use the paper. It was just finishing something. Right. Yeah. That was when it happened. So 22. Boom. And then I found myself, I, I got into real estate finance. Uh, somebody knew me and was like, you got to do this. You're, you're going to crush it. It was one of those things that started it. I did it for a year, learned the business, knowing that I was going to go do my own thing. And that was when I started and have always done my own thing since. When I was, what I would say is my first real job was in real estate finance when I was 22. I had learned that business. There was kind of a boom happening then. And I had learned that business and a buddy of mine, Jewish buddy of mine said, we're going to go do this on our own. And I was like, yeah, we are. And we did. And so that was the first business that I ever co-founded. And that's all I've ever done ever since was started different businesses. Let's kick off with your first venture into the CPG world. As we mentioned, you were a co-founder of Six Pack Fitness and you guys came up with this really unique meal management system. We knew Misha. I really loved the product, by the way, because I he sent me one and I was using it going to the gym. I thought it was incredible. Can you tell us more about what sparked that idea to launch Six Pack and what was the problem you were trying to solve with this market and how did the market react 
I had opened a gym uh, in San Francisco with a, a gentleman by the name of Chris Lowane. And Misha was working with me on this other side project that I was working on. It was actually still in real estate finance. It was like the demise of the, of the industry at that time, but we were doing like modifications and things like that. So I was working out of his dad's office. There was an office called Structura down on Mission. Um, so Misha and I would hang out all the time, also because Misha was sort of helping with some marketing ideas for, for Lelaine, and he was training, he would train with me. Um, that was my that was my dog. Like we would go out all the time. Like I was still an animal back then, right? And so he had mentioned to me, "Hey man, you bring all this food. I have this. I have this idea. We are playing around with it. You got all this food all over your desk. That's how it starts. That's how every idea comes from, right? It's 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 to it's to solve a problem. And this was a true problem to solve because it wasn't just me." And where we, what we had found out later as, as sort of a proven market fit was it's a problem for a lot of people, especially those who were what we classify as into health and wellness, more specifically at the time into bodybuilding. And so, it, again, it was a solution to help people manage their meals. And it was by putting a cooler together that had individually accessible meal containers within. And you guys did really, really well. I mean, I remember you were killing it. And then what happened? What was the challenge? I left early. And in hindsight, I mean, that was because for multiple reasons that Misha is an interesting guy. I, again, I have love, love for the guy. If anybody knows him, he, you know, his heart's in the right place. But I also knew at that time, this was like my fourth or fifth venture. I just don't, I don't I enjoy having partners like that. I don't mind I love working with people, but it's very hard to have a few alphas in a room. And so you have to learn those things. And so that's what it was. So I, I wanted to leave and go do my own thing. Um, and that's what happened. But in short, it had a really great rise, especially after I left. Um, they brought in gear. I don't know if you know Gara. He's a really smart guy. And they, and they lifted this thing. And then it sort of slowly died off. And that's because I'm just kind of, I'm kind of wrapping a bow on what is probably a 10 year thing, right? Yeah. There's only so many bags you can sell. And there's only so much, so much affinity to this concept of meal management that had this ultimate rise to it. Right. Yeah. And it just went, it trended for a while. And then I think it just started to subside. And most importantly, it really went away when COVID hit. Yeah. When nobody was leaving. Right. Because the idea was it's travel and on the go. I just want to ask a quick question. You mentioned the importance of execution in turning ideas into reality. Can you share a specific instance where your ability to execute significantly impacted your career? That's a good one. Admittingly, I'm a doer. I just posted about something like this about doers. Like, I have an idea. This cold plunge thing I just launched, right? Shout out, feel good, cold plunge. Shout out, break and check it out. It, it, it was because I know it's happening. It's a, it's a trend. I, I have to be into it, though. I have to be into it. So I've been doing this for a long time, way before it's what it is now, which is, again, it's a trend. And about six months ago, I said, I got to do it. Even though I'm knee deep in I1, you know that, right? Like, we're going to talk about that and say, I'm knee deep. And I don't mind saying it's knee deep in shit, man. In straight shit, right? 
You and every other CPG founder that we speak with on a daily basis. It's crazy. And then, and, you know, and that's, and it's just fact, right? And so, fact. Yep. but, but my, my brain wouldn't stop, right? I, I, it just, it said, you can't not do it. And so I did. And again, I, I did a side project. I made sure it didn't get in the way. I did it at night. I quickly sourced, you know, manufacturer because I've done this before. Right. And that's it. So it goes to your question. When or how do you do it? I don't know if there'll be success or whether or not I've had multiple failures, which I have had, but the, the culmination of just being a doer, it at least gives you a chance to get up to bat, right? You, you, you know, you're coming out of the dugout, you know, you're, you're, you're walking up there and you at least get a shot to get up to bat to take a swing. And it's only those that, that get to take a swing are from those that execute on the ideas and don't just sit on them. So there's an answer. I hope It's a great answer. And what I love about you and why I'm so excited to continue this conversation is because you've lived it. You've been in the trenches. You've lived the shit that so many speak of. I just know that I speak to a certain type of founder and or, or, or somebody who wants to look to start something. We're, we're all cut differently. And we all were given a different hand and we're all playing a different hand. And that's totally cool. Yeah. Like, you know, when you look at a founder, right, man, woman, what, like they're, they're just, there's so many different types, right? Uh, of not just the situation we're in, but the situation that was handed to us or not handed to us and every layer that came to, to bring us to where we're, we're sitting. Right. And so those that are really knee deep in it, like we were just describing, you can tell you, you like, again, I've been doing this for 20 years, 20 plus yeah. years and in multiple ways. When I talk of the knee deep stuff, people can hear it and they can feel it and it will hit home with many. And sometimes it won't hit home with any. And that's cool, too. That's that I think is where value lies. Right. Is touching one or 10 or a hundred different people who understand your story, understand the layers within it and how that can help them in some way, you know, and that, that to me is important. Absolutely. And I think again, that experience is evident when you speak. So you started, I won organics. The question is what inspired you to start not just a CPG brand or a snack brand, but also a plant-based food company. Where did the inspiration come from? If you're a gym rat, you're probably focused on protein, right? And I'm sure there's some connection. So tell us a little bit about I1. How did that get inspired? I, the last few ventures prior to this, I was in health and wellness. It's something that I love. It's something that I live. And it's something that I can talk on with ease. I was in a consumer goods business, one very different than this, still in the bag business. I call it the travel bag business. And the financial metrics are totally different than what, what is in food and beverage. And I was looking at food and beverage for quite some time. And I said, oh, I really like to get in there, took some time. And then when I was really ready to make that happen, I just looked at where I thought there was a void. And I thought there was a void in the savory protein side of the business. Didn't matter. I didn't drill down on where, what, and how. I just then focused there and said, well, what do I think is trending? What are things that I like? I liked this plant-based side mainly because I was trying to fill my own void. I eat so much meat, 
I wanted to fill my plate, as it would be said, right, with more plant foods. So I focused on that. I focused on something being organic. I just knew there was a, the trend had already happened, but I was like, ah, I just think a lot more people will focus on that. And then as far as the actual protein source, I liked legumes. I just thought, ah, peas and her beans, I think should be, or could be a focus in this. And that's how it started. And I said, okay, it's going to be a chip. It's going to be savory and it's going to be legume based. And that was the first, first thing I drilled down on. Nice. So let's dig a little deeper. So I posted a few weeks ago that being a startup CPG founder, it's kind of like running naked in the jungle, being bitten by bullet ants while trying to solve a Rubik's Cube. So based on your experience, tell all those who are thinking of starting a brand or actually are in CPG as a founder, what are some significant challenges that you faced growing I1 Organics and how did you overcome them? What are the ones that come to mind? Yeah, I haven't overcome them, you know, admittingly, I haven't. And, and it's it's one of the hundred reasons that we potentially would go out of business, right? And I'm open about stuff like that. Like we're, we're just hanging on right now. Luckily, which we'll talk, you know, we'll get into or sort I, I've been working on something that puts us in a, a good spot and gives us a chance to, to, to get another swing at this, as I'd say, right? Let me come up to bat one more time. But going to the to crux of the question, it is extremely capital intensive, way more than anybody ever thinks. And some like to just bring in the chatter on that subject and say, no, you could build. They don't know what either. They don't know what they're talking about or they like to just hear themselves talk, which a lot of us do. So, you know, I love you all, folks, everybody out there who likes to do that. But it's just for the reality. Right. And they like to just get into conversations and like to be a figurehead on stuff. But it's just not fact. Now, I, I always say on the flip side, if you don't want to scale and you're OK to do things that I always promote, which is like go to the farmer's market and do what I, I, I love the idea, of, which is just trade. Right. I buy a cookie for a dollar. I sell it to mommy for two dollars. Love that business. No, correct. No capital or very little is needed. And you can just go home with actual cash in your pocket. Beautiful. However, for the 99% of us who get into this because we have big dreams and want to scale, you need a lot of capital. So that should answer number one. Then I can go into a few, which is just, it's, it, and it's all kind of predicated on capital and just, and just runway. You need a lot of time, a lot. Oh, I'm going to build this thing in three years, five years. No, 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 no. 20, think 20 years, you know? So, so that's, so to, if you can understand where I go from two, which is now what happens between all that is you're so stressed. You make really dumb decisions like all the time, all the time. Give, uh, give, it, give us an example. It broke right away. First one, branding. You didn't think long enough or hard enough. I'm so I can speak for myself. I, I love I, I'm cool with it. I, I sleep at night knowing I'm telling this information, you know, branding everything from from the name to the package, to the position, to the writing, to the what, what, how, who and where and how are you going to stick to it? Stick to it through thick and thin, because all of a sudden it becomes year two and you're 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 not selling as well as you want. So you think it's the package it, that and I'm literally, you know, you've all I'm just telling you, like, 
I'm giving going down list three here, but there's 19 other things that are all sort of connected to this that have to do. I think I could just go with impatience, right? Yet I use the word runway and then I'm using the word impatience and just think about how conflicted that is, especially then where I drilled up to number one, your lack of capital and or resources. You start triangulating all this, you got a friggin' mess on your hands. Are you seeing an issue raising funds currently? We have raised what I would think is a lot, you know, to me is a lot of money. Luckily, it's it, luckily and not luckily, it's been private. It's it's people that I know, right? And or I'm one one length connected to them. So no no VC or PE money, which is the flip side of the problem is, 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 is I, I sort of admit this, like if it weren't for my cap table, I have no problem saying this. Although I wouldn't like just give up because it's not in me, I'm going all the way to the end. But it's a big reason why I have not given up. And I am flipping every rock in opportunity because I look at the cap, because I, I give a shit. I look at the cap table. I know these people, right? Besides some of my money being in it, but I know these people. And that's the one thing that happens like on the VCPE side, you know, you take in money, there's no face to the check. There really isn't, right? It's just rich people's money, right? You see, nobody talks about that. Like, like, and millions, tens of millions, tens of millions of dollars lost, right? The founder just walks away because he doesn't give a shit. He doesn't give a shit, right? I care. I care. (laughs) I've I've lost some sleep at night, right? Because of it. So, um, there's been a money. There's been money in our business, and no, I'm not really "quote unquote" raising. I've made the attempts. They're not out there, and not in the way that 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 would make sense for anybody, right? And so, for that though, I looked at other opportunities, which I was doing way before the whole look for money thing. And it's more about partnerships, mergers concepts to me that make a lot more sense for pure firepower that don't have total connection to just money. And I'll, I'll explain it later because if this thing does come through, people are going to hear me talking. I'm going to come out there like a fucking animal soon. And I'm coming to, um, to do what I wanted to do, but it's not directly correlated with just money. And I don't and I'm I and the last comment is because I don't believe you can be a standalone brand in this industry and make it. Yeah. Unless you are a darling brand that has access to a lot of capital and it could be for good reason. I'm just going to name one because I don't know why it just came like if it's um, a once upon a farm. Okay. I, this is with love. I say this like like a John Forker. As beautiful as that business is, right? You have a celebrity that's attached to it. Who, by the way, I love. I love her. I love her. Right? Yeah. Everything about her and the whole everything. I've always everything about her. She's just a beautiful woman. She's just her whole family thing. The whole story about her, her celebrity, and then her connection to the brand makes so much friggin' sense. It's ridiculous. So that's number one. Yeah. Number two is John Forker has a pedigree. He's already done it. His name is so well established 
into not just the CPG world, but all the money that's connected to it. I don't think people realize they might be on a hundred, I don't know what, a hundred million dollar runway, but they've raised a hundred. I think, please, if anybody, if I'm fouled up, I just, just don't come after me here, but they've raised, do you know how much a hundred million dollars is? Okay, so uh, it's not to take away because they have an amazing brand from the name to the product line to the story to the identity to the copywriting to the fucking they just did it. Right. So sorry, that's where I'm referencing the darlings, because there's a few of those out there that make a lot of sense. And so um, so those work as a standalone. I think for the ninety nine percent of everybody else, you better have a plan here because it's going to be very difficult to make it as a standalone brand. And it's funny how elusive that image is to entrepreneurs. They see the brands that succeed and they swear up and down that they'll be that brand and they don't have a plan B. They're just going in, they're spending their money. Like you said, they might have a cap table with close friends and they don't understand how, like you said, how difficult CPG is because of the shelf space, right? That That's required uh, in order to keep it as well. They, as in a majority, have no clue what is going on. Yeah. And I say that with love because I'm part of this. I'm part of it. I'm seven years into this. And I will say this because it's just, I know it's going to sound a little, you know, I'm, I'm a fairly smart guy. As much as I like to joke around, I get on people's stuff because I, I just, that makes me feel better, right? I'm, I'm a fairly smart guy. I, 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 I learn things really quickly and, and, I'm, and I'm pretty good at executing. So like I can get things done. This is a very, very difficult business and has so many layers to it as far as just the hurdles involved that most don't comprehend what it entails to create long-term success. Not short, 24 months, I'm getting these retailers, I'm posting about it, it looks so great on paper. Uh Uh-uh, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about month 60, when velocities are flat, prices are up, trade spend is through the roof, capital is hard to come by, the overall sentiment and brand brand as it is, is starting to lose pace. I could go on and on, Yuval, on and on. And that's the problem. Mark, let me ask you a question. So actually two, just to finish this off, what advice would you give first time entrepreneurs? They have a brand they want to start, a product they really believe in. They might have a little money. They might want to raise money. 2023, going into 2024, best advice for them as they start their journey? <laughs> this is the second part. Don't do it. <laughs> Don't do it. No, I, 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 I somewhat, I, I, I've been doing that recently and it's like some people get off and they're like, was he serious? I don't know. If he, because I, by the way, as I said, you know, I, I do, I talk to people as much as possible. People call or email. I try to take like five minutes and it's almost, it's, it's, I, I don't like to say it's funny, but it kind of is in this way where I can tell they get off the phone with me and it's just like all bad. 
it, it, they're like, I don't know if I should have called him. I, I'm not feeling this right now. And, and it's because I always, I always leave with, with, Hey, don't, you know, don't, don't, don't take everything I say to heart, but I'm just talking in transparency, do whatever you want with that. Right. So, um, with that said, what I would tell them is you need a lot of margin. So that's where I would start be, be behind the stuff that should be an absolute given, which sometimes it's even not, which is what is the, what is the brand? What is it about? Why do you love it? And why do you think you can do it for 20 years? That's one. Number two is what is the product and have you developed it and have you tasted it? And what do I mean by the latter? Like, does it taste good? Like, not like your mommy is telling you it tastes good because they fucking all tell you it tastes good, right? <laughs> Except my mom. My mom is shit on, like, some of the stuff I've done. <laughs> She's shit on. But your mommy tells you, like, oh, yeah. Jenny, it tastes so good. I don't know where I made up Jenny. It's probably just talking about uh, you, you got it. It's like 99 out of 106 people have to tell you, this is amazing, Yuval, wow, what a, this is a, this cookie's great. Oh, these, these banana chips you made, beautiful. Oh, this, this, um, this new bread that you, they have to be emphatic about it. So that's, then it, then it starts the business, the margin. It has to be through the roof. What does that mean, Mark? I don't know. You're gonna, I'm going to scare you right now. Should be like north of 60. <laughs> What? I don't want to be north of six. Well, my coat man says that it's it's going to be this price, but if I get to 10,000, you ain't getting to 10,000 units. <laughs> what is the fucking margin right now? Well, it's like 24%. Well, it's 24%. Okay. Well, your trade spend is 26%. So I, I live it every day, Mark. Simple, okay, you get where I'm going with this, you all? So, okay. So, so brand Y, brand Y, uh, pr- a product, amazing. And then three, margin has to be through the roof. There you go. Yeah. And the funny thing is with my company, I had an 80% margin, 75 to 80%, and I still failed. So we had great margin. We had literally the best product on the shelf, south of France, all the great ingredients, organic, the whole thing, just like yours. Great products, great ingredients. People love it. I'm telling you, honestly, I'm very picky, very much of a foodie. Yeah, I'm an incredible product. But the big challenge is you got to have a product that people are going to buy more than once. Otherwise, you're done. The second thing is you got to market the shit out of it. You got to know how to market it. But that's the expensive part because what most people don't understand is that retailers don't have a margin on the products they sell. They're very tiny, like two or 3% margin on the retail side. They make their money with your trade dollars. That's how they make their money. And so they're trying to grab as much from you with the $11,000 Whole Foods fixed fee just to promote in their retail chain or these huge ad fees. And they just pile it on because that's the only way for them to survive. And I think that's the big problem is that you need to have that, that capital. Tell me a little bit about support. You talked about how difficult it is. How necessary is that support from your closest family members and loved ones? I don't really do that. I know I was kind of, you know, joking about it earlier. I, you know, I, I sleep well at night and I, I try to go home and not take this, even though I'm home right now, it's only because they got home from camp. I, 
and people know this. I mean, I talk about it like I'm when I leave the office, I work from, you know, nine depends if it's camp or summer or not. Right. Like I work from like nine to three, you know, three thirty. That's it, man. As I always say, I'm big on health. That's my number one priority. And then it's these guys, you know, and then it's work. And it is what it is. And that's what you're saying. You know, so people are supporting me or like that. They know. But the, the difference is I work different than folks, right? Than most. My six hours are like laser beam maniac, right? Good, bad, and indifference in, in, in between that, right? Like I get a lot done in a short period of time because I'm not fucking around. I'm not scrolling and doing all this other stuff. People might see me on LinkedIn that, you know, and I do all that, but that's part of my work, but I get a lot done and I retain a lot of things. So that's a helpful thing. It's part, just one of those things that that's part of my cards, right? I always say everybody got a different card. And so I don't bring it home, man, because I lay in what I made. It's mine. I did this, Right. And nobody, you know, it's, it's an important point, you know, and I think I've made this a long time ago about you can't be bringing home your problems because it's not their problems. And it's a lot easier said than done. I'm empathetic to, to especially men, you know, we have a we, we have a mental health crisis with with men uh, specifically. It's, it's, it's just proven. Right. Uh, yep. Because of some of that stuff, like we hold it in and all that, like, oh, we thought we got to be the I'm not saying that, but. It's important that that we don't put our stresses on other people, especially our kids, right? Like that's not their responsibility. And so I'm okay with what I have going on at work and the stress is there. I try to leave it there. But you still have to deal with it. I mean, you're, you're a human being. So do you think that your fitness journey is helping you deal with the stress? I mean, you can't just pretend that it doesn't exist. You, you have it. So what do you do with it? How do you deal with it so you don't take it home? Because I think a lot of people would want to know because I'm sure they don't want to take it home. So how th- there's got to be a way that you deal with it so you're not burnt out and miserable on a day-to-day basis. 100% it's health. That's why I talk on it so much. And that's why most importantly, especially for founders, even though it's for everybody, because I don't care if you're a sales guy or you're an executive assistant or, uh, you know, you're 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 a janitor at the high school. Like we're all dealing with shit, man. Somebody that's we know we don't even like working with or like, you know, you know, it's one of our vendors. It doesn't matter what it is. And just the stress of just work. We're all the same. Health has to be priority number one. And uh, admittingly, it's why I said when I was 19, it is it saved my life and it saves my life today to every single day. If I did not work out, dude, oof, I, f- I fear for people. Let's put it that way. I would fear for people and I would fear for myself and my own my own actions and my own acts and my own way of thinking. That's how mentally in tuned I am, though, with myself. And I think we all need to do that once in a while. Take a look in the mirror and really be honest with ourselves. So physical movement every day and proper nutrition has defined me and most importantly, put me in a better position, not just physically. We all like to have a muscle here or there, but mentally. The most important piece is the mental aspect that comes from those things. And so it's important that I always spread that knowledge and just keep talking on it because it saves a lot of lives. Yeah, I won't go into your routine. Just follow Mark on LinkedIn. He shares 
everything about his journey. And I think it's eye-opening. I follow you, obviously, and I get a lot. You inspire me, especially on the weekend when you put that post up. What are you doing? I'm like, shit, I got to do something. Mark's, Mark's watching me. So that's very inspirational. So you're talking about positive changes and you mentioned the early years. What's a significant change that you made in your life that affected you positively? You know, having my kids, I know as funny as it is, as much as they're trying to trying to get at <laughs> me right now, um, I, I, I will say this, by, by God's grace, having them has changed my life. All these other layers of things that I've done personally are what have what have helped me be in this position that I'm in, right? To feel this way physically, even though I have so many, so much, so much down, you know, so, so many, so many days where I'm feeling down, right? That I need to raise myself up, but they have provided me patience. I never had that. And I think that that is a real key piece to people and, and, and something to put in their back pocket, right? In life, in all ways, that's the thing, this patience thing that we were talking about. It could be about work or building and this, all this stuff, but it's just an unbelievable piece that has been added to my, my being, right, that I never had before and I'm very thankful for. It's allowed me to navigate certain things that I probably wouldn't have been able to before. The last thing I'll talk about in the fitness realm, you posted something really funny how individuals are buying Pelotons and then spending three grand and using them to hang clothes on. So tell me, what kind of advice would you give those that struggle getting on a physical exercise routine? Because it is hard, right? You you have a family, you're working. It's like the last thing you want to do at four o'clock or even first thing in the morning is to do the right thing, which is take a plunge, meditate, move. That's a lot of effort knowing that you're going to come to work and all this shit's going to just pile on top of you. What advice would you give those that want to stay committed but just can't because you're doing such a good job with your commitment to health? It's, it's a loaded question, right? Because if we are being honest with ourselves, we all know we have time. We, we, we do all these other things, of course, but, but we, you know, like I was saying, scrolling the Netflix and this, the, that, that we, we make excuses not to make time. But if we made the time that we know we should, which we can, we would feel so much better. So I am empathetic to the fact that some people just can't get it going. Now, the reason they can't get it going is not just because of the excuses, it's because they don't see the results. This is a big topic that isn't talked, talked about enough. Yeah. What do you think the reason is that most people who are fit and look fit continue to be fit, right? It's a question. Like, why is this not talked about? It's because we're like maniacal. Like, we don't want to be unfit anymore. We don't want to not look fit anymore. It's like a club you're in. You know, if some guy or gal is like into working out, you like, you almost head nod them when you're walking down the street, Right. That is a really hard place to get to because it takes time to get there. 
right? You know, the first two abs that start showing up, by the way, we all have abs. It's under there. It's underneath the fat. I'm just, uh, this is, sorry. I believe you. Okay. I don't know. I've, I haven't seen it, but I'm going to believe you. that. I, I I'm just telling you, we all do. We all do. So, so like when the first two show up, it's, it's, it's just motivation. You're like, I got to get there again. Okay. We, we, it's just, not, it's weird. It's a topic. not telling. So I'm so empathetic because it's so much harder to be the person that might be overweight and yeah. who just can't get to the second or fifth or 19th workout. They get to the first one and they're like, wow, I really like the way that made me feel. And you're like, fuck yeah, of course it does. It's what it does to you. It's called endorphins, right? And, and, then, and then, oh, it's just a coincidence. You chose better food that day. Wow, that's a coincidence. No, it's not a coincidence. It's because you felt better, your mind is better, and you're making better choices because you're like, wait, I just worked out. I'm not going to have that burger later. I want to have something nutritious. Okay, good. You get that? So it's all about self-will. And again, it's so much easier said than done. And I, 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 it's cliche to even say it, but I, it's just fact. It's how do I commit to getting into the second, third, seventh, 19th workout. Because what I am telling you is, when you do get to the 19th and the 29th and the 79th, you will have started to make it a habit. I call it sort of attempts to the habit, to then what? The lifestyle. And when you make it a lifestyle, it's off and running from there. So that's sort of my commentary on it. You know, the one thing that I noticed is that the reason that I've given up in the past or ha- or struggled, and I know others as well, is because when you're trying to be the 1%, the exception rather than the rule, it's really hard work and it takes a very long time to start seeing the fruits of your labor. So you have to go by faith that every single workout is making a difference because, you know, the first few times you're feeling the endorphins, but when you have to wake up again in the morning or do it when you're tired, and then you're not seeing the results, the fifth, the 10th, the 20th week, it just takes time. If you really are consistent and you look back a year, now you're seeing some incredible results, but you just don't see it as you progress. Nothing happens at the moment that you're putting the effort in. It happens later. When you're looking back, that's why Steve Jobs said, connect the dots backwards, right? So I want to bring up a recent post about your mom. Your mother's journey to sobriety seems to have a profound impact on you. Can you share more about how her transformation has influenced your life choices, especially your decision? Because I believe you're very vocal about it, that you stopped drinking a while back. How is your mom's journey impacting your journey? Yeah, I don't know if it's necessarily impacted. I, I wrote that it subconsciously might be, right? Like I I look at not drinking as just the choice of the day, right? Um, I, especially for me, because I would, you know, I used to drink and do all types of stuff, right? And and then slowly weaned off it because it made, the way it made me feel, right? And the person it made me, I was a maniac. And so... The, looking at her, I think it's just a, a great reminder of no matter what age we are. I think that's the thing that inspires me and what I wrote about for people to take from. It's like we get so caught up in the fact that we are, oh, my God, I'm going to be 40. 
and I didn't do this. Oh my God, I'm going to be 50 and I, I, I don't even like this job I'm in. And it doesn't matter what I, I'm, I'm still smoke cigarette. Like it doesn't matter where you are in life. If you want to be better or make better decisions or live a healthier lifestyle or find new friends or get off social media, just make any advancement in life that you know is better for you. You can do it anytime you want. And that time is the best time because it does start a great clock. It starts a new clock and it starts the clock that allows you actually to timestamp it. And like in my mom's situation, she's in her 70s. She gets to look at something today and say, I've been doing that for five years and now I feel better. I'm kinder to people. I don't say things, you know, say things once in a while. They come off a little, you know, I always say, my mom's funny, but, you know, you put a glass in front of her saying shit gets wild. So, so you, you know what I mean? So, so <laughs> I just, it, it's just a great reminder that um, we can be better by just making the right decision. And there's no better time to make those right decisions than today. Yeah. The reason why it hit me so hard, one, I applaud her for making these changes at her age because not everybody was able to do that after so many years. However, I just turned 50. And I have to say, at every decade, I think, wow, I'm getting old. And then you get to that next decade and you're like, I have a lot, lot of life left in me. And you get to your 50s. And when I was in my 30s, I couldn't imagine. In my, I would think 50s, forget it. I'm just over the hill. I have more zest and energy and will and desire now at 50 than I probably had at 20. And it's just, you don't, you don't realize it until you get there. It's like, somebody told me this, nobody ever wants to die. Like at any age, there's an inner desire for humans, for most of us, unless we're struggling maybe with mental health, that we want to continue on, that we want to do better. And that could be in your 70s and 80s and 90s. And so I think that's awesome. So last thing, I do want to mention Coplunch because I, I owe it to you to mention it because you inspired me as well. So you and Win Huff, I'm sure you know who he is, are big into the cult. And I've recently got into the cold shower bug but I want to take it a step further. And you did. Tell us about your experience with cold plunging and the field cold plunge venture that you started. Because I thought, man, this guy is just bold. Tell us about that. Yeah, it's, it's called Feel Good Cold Plunge. I've been cold plunging for a couple of years, maybe even longer. Uh, and it started with just an oversized garbage can in the, in the backyard filled it with water because I had read on it before. I had been doing a lot of sauna work for even years prior to that. Um, so I just layered in what I call cold immersion. And we all started with showers and all this, but I really got into it when I got an oversized tub in the yard. And I just noticed the way it made me feel just like everything. And, and, and again, I call it layers of health, fruit, movement, uh, sauna work, right? Sun, water, all these things, right? Walking in the middle of the day now, like all these things. Ah, this makes me feel better. Oh, this makes me feel better. Oh, this makes me. So cold immersion is, is, is it's real. 
it works. And now, of course, it's being talked about in spades, right? The Joe Rogans of the world and, you know, are bringing up the Hoffs and all this. But but don't forget, it's been around forever, thousands of years, right? It's like there's probably people rolling up their hands like, what are you talking about? You mean doing it this way? You guys are now buying $10,000 tubs for your backyard. So, so that's the piece. So I knew that there's premium offerings, you know, where you can get these beautiful tubs with filtration and cooling systems for 10 grand. And um, I, I wouldn't buy one, even though I, you know, I'm, I'm into it, but I still was like, ah, I don't think I'd buy that. So I just, I knew that there's a way to do it. A really inexpensive, high quality tub that you fill up yourself, put some ice in, and that's what I developed. And so, uh, and the main purpose is, I think everything in my case, in, it should be entry level. Why should it be entry level? It should be entry level because I want to offer this to people and say, use it. You know, it's a hundred bucks. What's the worst that could happen that you just don't use it after the, the sixth time? Okay. At least it's not like I referenced before the treadmill yeah. that's yeah. in your garage that's used as a closing. So that, that's what it is. And that's, uh, and that's what the offering is. And hopefully we get it in the hands of a lot of people. You're so right. I have relatives back in the days from Russia. They had cold plunges. They just went outside and jumped in the freaking lake. That was their that was their cold <laughs> plunge. So, uh, yeah, I mean, they would be looking at us like, the hell are you doing? All right. So I'd like to close out my interviews with the following question. Who did you have to stop being and who did you need to become to manifest your current success? Well, I don't know if I've had success yet as the way you're describing it, but I will answer it like this. I look forward to so so long God allows me, right, to be that 65-year-old man named Mark Samuel. I, so I say this, I've said this many times, like I can't wait to be 65 by God's hand, right? There again, he's got to come down and say, Mark, okay, you're good. You're good for a few more, right? And and healthy, my kids healthy, everybody healthy. And I get to look back and go, ah, you did it. You you did it, right? And those things that I that I mean by you did it are continuing to just make the right decisions when it comes to being a good human. Now, what does that mean? Good human is, is this subjective? It's not subjective. Everybody knows what that means, right? If they're being honest, it means just be nice to people, be, be a good friend, be a good son, be a good dad, talk on things that will benefit others, help them on their own journey. All these things, right? Cover under an umbrella and they all are reflective of just being a good human, be a good human. That's the way we all should be. And I would say that if people were honest with themselves, they would know that maybe in times prior, they weren't. They weren't that person. They did lie. They did, they did, they did cheat. They were not kind to their friend. They were jealous of, of that person over there, right? All of these things. I think with time and with maturity and with definition in oneself, we can become better. That's what I enjoy doing and being on the journey of, which is just this journey of, of, of being that person that I want to be when I'm 65. It's something that I really, really am, am, um, am focused on. 
I will disagree with you on one thing. And I have the same issue when you said, I'm not yet successful as you think or you reference success. You are because, yes, we're not maybe to where we want to be because we're such high achievers and we just want to push every day and just kill it. But think of all the thousands and tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of people that look up to you every single day when they open up their LinkedIn for inspiration, for guidance, for support, for that extra push to just not give up. Because you know what? You didn't give up. They won't give up. And I think that's a tremendous honor to wear as a badge because the way you you handle your family life, your health, your businesses, your relationship with your fans and your community, you're absolutely right. You are an amazing person. I've had you know, a few individuals who lost their parents and or father when they were younger, and it impacts their life tremendously. And a lot of times they are extra special because they just want to make them proud, even though they weren't around. And I know that's what you want to do. And I know that he's looking down at you and he is proud of you as I am and the rest of the community. Where could they find you, Mark, if they want to connect? Uh, LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn a lot. And then they can find us at I Win Organics and now Feel Good Cold Plunge, which is my own little side side project. But um, yeah, I love connecting with people. Yeah. And your products are incredible. Highly suggest everybody go to the local store and just get some I Won, uh, maybe the Cold Plunge. You're doing a lot of great things. Mark, thank you so much for gracing us on the seven hats. I really thoroughly enjoyed this conversation and you just bring so much power and so much excitement to the conversation. Thank you. This is fine. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Mark. Let's end today with the show segment that I refer to as what can we hang our hat on? And here is my takeaway. In a world that often encourages individual success and personal gain, it's easy to lose sight of the true essence of our existence. Mark has taken us on a journey of self-discovery, personal growth, and the pursuit of a fulfilling life. One of the key takeaways from our conversation is the importance of patience. Mark emphasizes that patience is not just a virtue, but a powerful tool for navigating the challenges that come our way. In a world that often demands instant results, it's easy to become discouraged when we don't see immediate progress. However, Mark reminds us that true transformation takes time. It requires consistent effort, resilience, and an unwavering commitment to our goals. Another profound insight Mark shares is the significance of making time for ourselves and our well-being. Amidst the demands of work, family, and other responsibilities, prioritizing self-care is essential. Mark highlights the impact of physical fitness, mindfulness, and healthy habits on our overall well-being. We can cultivate resilience, clarity, and a greater sense of fulfillment by making time for activities that nourish our mind, body, and soul. Mark's words also shed light on the transformative power of relationships and human connections. He emphasizes the importance of being a good human and treating others with kindness, empathy, and respect. By fostering deep connections, supporting one another, and spreading positivity, we can create a ripple effect of goodness in our communities and beyond. We must seize the present moment, make better choices, and embark on a path that aligns with our true values and aspirations. It's never too late to embark on a journey of self-discovery and embrace a healthier, more fulfilling lifestyle. I encourage every one of you seven hatters to reflect upon the wisdom Mark shared 
Take these lessons to heart and apply them in your own lives. Embrace patience. Prioritize self-care. Cultivate meaningful relationships. Pursue personal growth and be open to new experiences. Remember, the power to shape your destiny lies within you. With every choice you make and every action you take, you can create a life of purpose, fulfillment, and positive impact. I want to thank Mark once again for joining me so that we can all benefit from his wisdom. And until next time, if you found this episode helpful, please hit that subscribe button and tell other entrepreneurs out there what value you receive from it so we can attract even more high-quality people into our 7 Hats community. So for now, I will bid you farewell and success on your journey. And until next time, my name is Yuval Selleck, and I tip my hat to you.